Welcome to Bollywood is for Lovers, part of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. I'm Aaron Fraser. And I'm Matt Bowes. In this episode, you can hear us, but you can't see us because we're wearing our invisibility bracelets. As opposed to the usual way that they can hear not us, see but us, not yeah. see us, yes. Yeah. Uh, am I wearing clothes? Who knows? <laughs> Uh, yes, we're finally discussing Shekhar Kapoor's beloved 1987 superhero classic, Mr. India, starring Anil Kapoor as a violinist turned amateur orphanage owner <laughs> turned invisible vigilante, Sri Devi as his journalist love interest, and Amrish Puri as the super criminal Mogambo. Before we begin, we would like to respectfully acknowledge that we record this podcast on Treaty 6 territory, home to First Nations and Métis people. Mogambo is pleased. <laughs> Matt, we're back from our kind of mid-year, our annual mid-year break. Mm-hmm. How are you feeling? Excited to be podcasting again? Yeah, I'm warm. Yeah, it's hot. It is. It's like the it's, height of summer. It's uh, it's Edmonton hot, so it got up to about 30 today. It's super hot. <laughs> I, it's hot for us. I'm sure lots of our uh, listeners just like, that's like winter for us. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's very it's very hot for us. Although I had a I had a difficult day because my office was freezing, so it was too hot outside, but it's too cold inside. I just I have not been. Didn't a, you take your shawl to work for this exact reason? Yeah, but I've not been comfortable all day. My ankles were cold. No, oh, no. I didn't bring ankle shawls. You to should work. have had a bracelet that goes on your ankles. Yeah, I'm to having, be invisible at work. I'm having a lot of temperature issues. Uh, but yes, we're back, and we're excited to finally be talking about Mr. India. This is a film that has been on our watch list for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, for a while there, we thought the only way we would be able to see it is if we purchased a uh, like $300 DVD from the UK that mm-hmm. might not even work in our DVD player. Like, we need it. We need subtitles. That's the problem. Yeah. Uh, and I and well and and you know we we want to be consuming legal copies of these things. That too. Uh, at one point, I tried to get the library to buy it because mm, <laughs> I didn't want to risk. Did they pick it up? No, they never. They never responded to my request for adding it to the collection. Damn library! I know. Um, but as kind of stuff on Z5 has improved for us. Sort of. Sort of. We Haphazard. St- we still haven't completely sorted out the um, timing on the subtitle issue for new films. I'm sure people love that ongoing that ongoing check-in on how the subtitles are doing on Z5. Uh, but Mr. India mm-hmm. is available. It has subtitles and um, it's not the greatest transfer, but we've finally seen it. We've finally seen Mr. India. Yeah. We know what all the hype is Well, we didn't see Mr. India. (laughs) Mr. India is invisible. Right. We can never see Mr. India. Good point. (laughs) It's sort of like waiting for Godot. You never actually see Godot. Yeah. When Anil Kapoor is Mr. India. Yeah. He's invisible. So this is one of the most iconic films in both Anil Kapoor and Sri Devi's filmography. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're not fun on a bun. We're not going to start with talking about either of them. We're going to start with talking about the director, Shekhar Kapoor. This is an interesting guy. Shekhar Kapoor is a very interesting figure. He's initially from Lahore, from what I understand, survived mm-hmm. partition, uh, and he's the nephew of Devanon. Hmm. Uh, so he started his career as an actor before moving on to directing, mm-hmm. and 
he's had a very successful directing career, but one that is kind of all over the map, and he's known for starting a lot of projects and not finishing them, hmm. or directing parts of projects but not finishing them. Hmm. Uh, so we're not going to get into kind of some of the stuff that he's directed parts of, but it's it's kind of fascinating. Um, because I've seen a surprising amount of his filmography. Yeah, there's there's a film here that was kind of the thing that I, I thought had landed him in what we call... Director Jail. Director Jail. Um, but then kind of reading just about all of his kind of aborted projects yeah. um, in Indian cinema. I don't know. I'm, I'm maybe not too sure if I can apply that Western perspective on Shekhar Kapoor. So Masoom was his first film. It came out in 1983. I have not seen it. Um, but it stars Naziruddin Shah and Shabana Azmi. Uh, from what I understand, Shabana Azmi was Shekhar Kapoor's uh, partner for a number of years hmm. um, and IMDB tells me that it's a, a happy family goes through turbulent times because of a big mistake by one of the family members I mean that could be so many <laughs> movies yeah that's that's a very generic reading on that yeah uh, as I said have have not seen it um, but from what I understand it was successful and led to the uh, directing of Mr. India, the film that we are going to discuss in this episode, which came out in 1987 uh, and was a huge hit. Mm -hmm. We will get to it. From there, from having seen Mr. India, Matt, what would you kind of think the director of Mr. India would do from there? Not what he did. <laughs> no, no, no. What would what would have been your expected career path? Do you think? Well. You know what? Actually, uh, Bandit Queen does seem like a blank check type movie. It, it kind of is a blank check type movie, isn't Mr. it? Mr. India secures the payment and then Bandit Queen is, okay, let's tell a very difficult, politically divisive story about a real person and then not actually ask her if it's okay. Yeah. Uh, so Bandit Queen is another film that... Um, We've tried to watch for the podcast before and it hasn't been available. It briefly became available on Amazon Prime and now it's available on Tubi. Mm. Uh, and it looks gorgeous. It premiered at cons in the director's Fortnite stream, which is kind of not the main competition stream, but so one, it's of more the of like other, a... one of the other kind of groupings of films that happen during cons. So it's more like a kind of battle royale situation where all the direct directors end up on a small island and have to fight each other while building buildings. That's exactly what it is. I'm so I'm so glad you've articulated it so well. My brother works at Directors Fortnite. <laughs> um, Did you get it yet? Yes, I I, I, I immediately got it. Um, but, but that's what they do every year on cons. Cons is actually a sort of like Lord of the Flies type scenario. No, it's just a selection of new films, <laughs> um, and and yeah, it's it's kind of it's. You don't hear about anyone else ever being at cons. It's always like, this one won at cons. The rest of them, we don't talk about them anymore. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's just it's just kind of one of the streams during the cons film festival that one of the banners that films are shown under. Um, they're not a part of the main competition, and they're usually kind of, from what I understand, um, emerging directors. Hmm. Um, but the film did well, and it led um, to uh, kind of Kapoor's international recognition, which 
he then cashes in for his his next few projects. You're just lucky I now, used up all my references to Fortnite that I know of. <laughs> Even though my brother works at Director's Fortnite, I should know more. Okay. Uh, so, Band of Queen is a biopic of Fool and Debbie. Uh, and we, we've discussed it on the show before, our episode where we discussed controversial films. We, we go into it a bit in detail. And Plus, I guess... there's a character in Sawaria who seems yes. very based on her. Yes. I've been somewhat hesitant to watch Bandit Queen, um, partly because of an article I read. Is that Arundhati Roy's The Great Indian Rape Trick? Which is a pretty good article. It is, yes. Bit of a bummer, though. We reference it in our episode about controversial films. And I, I think she makes a very good point about the decision... The decision that these male fam- filmmakers have made to make a film about a woman and and some of the a living woman a living woman and some of the, the the horrible things that she went through and never bothering to meet her or I mean they don't they don't need her approval she's a public figure. Yeah. Um, but they dramatized some pretty difficult moments in her life. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't want to get into it here because I don't want to put a warning on this we'll episode. We'll probably watch it someday. I fully admit that maybe we've been putting it off now that it is available. It's one of those things that, you know, like, oh, the film isn't available so we can... We're justified in not having watch it, watched yeah. it. And now it is available and... I don't know. Kind of been putting it off. But... It's the same sort of way that I was waking up on Sunday mornings and watching... Like, in the realm of the senses. And you would walk outside outside and be like, the hell are you watching? <laughs> like, yeah. it's kind of a... You have to be in the right headspace. And I always find that Sunday morning is a good time to watch a difficult film. Yeah. But then we started watching anime on Sundays instead. Yes. Uh, anyway, so it is... It, it definitely feels like... I've seen bits of it. Um, and it definitely feels like quite a tonal shift <laughs> from Mr. India, uh, which is what we're getting to. And I think, yeah, a, a blank check film. You know, mm-hmm. you make a big popular movie that appeals to families and the masses, and then um, do the this, exact opposite. This deeply serious film that is full of difficult subject matter. But is maybe your blank check for Hollywood? Yes, exactly. This became his blank check for Hollywood. And he then directed Elizabeth in 1998. Which I'm sure I watched. Oh, I remember literally nothing of. For some reason, I have read the novelization of this movie. What? I don't know why. Is it just like the history of Queen Elizabeth? Um, no, because this is like... So Elizabeth is a is a dramatization. Like, it's it's clearly fiction mm-hmm. um, about Queen Elizabeth I, played by Kate Blanchett, um, Joseph Fiennes. I have no idea. I think I picked it up in the library and assumed that the movie was based on a book, but I think, it, no, it was the novelization of the movie. Weird. You don't see those anymore, hey? Yeah, I have no way, like, I mean, it was It used to be such a big business. Yeah. And now, like, I don't know, usually it's the other way around. Yeah. Or... Like, now every movie is based on a Korean web cartoon or something. Yeah, I, I cannot explain why. I, I mean, it was I wasn't even a teenager yet. Or it was just about a teenager. Hmm. Yeah. I'm sure I watched it. I get it mixed up with the second one. And I'm sure I watched The Four Feathers, too. Yes, yeah, so then he The Four Feathers came out in 2002. So that uh, was the early Heath Ledger. 
yeah, Heath Ledger's in it. I remember it being a big flop, and I think that was the thing that kind of, um, from the Western perspective, everyone kind of thought, like, oh, he's in director jail now. And he's got to make Elizabeth II, Electric Boogaloo. I uh, came back in 2007 with Elizabeth the Golden Age, which I have not seen. It was nowhere near as successful as Elizabeth... Um, a lot less Academy Award nominations, mm-hmm. uh, and I think it's generally a like that is not a movie that exists. It's completely it's a forgotten. forgotten sequel. Yeah, uh, and he has a, a new film in the works. Uh, it's I called, should hope so. <laughs> it's been fifteen years. It's called What's Love Got to Do with It? Uh, it stars Lily James, Emma Thompson, Rob Brydon. Rob Brydon, yeah, fresh off the trip. Love yeah. Rob Brydon. Uh, Shavana Asmi. Maybe he'll do the Little Man in a Box. <laughs> Shavana Azmi and awesome Chaudhry. And it's written by uh, Jemima Khan, Imran Khan, the uh, Prime Minister of Pakistan's ex-wife. Wow. <laughs> That's a really strange project. Yeah. Yeah. So I... Lady I, James, Emma Thompson, and Rev Bryden. So it's Shibata clearly going to be like South English. Asian and, yeah. and British. Yeah. And then also written by the Prime Minister of Pakistan's wife. Ex-wife. Ex-wife. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Who is who is not South Asian? And who is not the main character of Deli Belly? Imran Khan. No. <laughs> no. Um, so Kapoor has won three Film Fair Awards for Masoom and Bandit Queen, a National Film Award for Bandit Queen, and a BAFTA for Elizabeth. Yeah, that all checks out. So, yeah, again, like, obviously there How are... Does, wait a minute. How is there no awards for Mr. India? Because there's a gap in filmfare years. Oh. So. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> he did a great job. There's like a like there's like a gap in so there was like a nineteen, I want to say a nineteen eighty seven ceremony, mm-hmm. and then like a nineteen eighty nine one. But there's no nineteen. So it would have been nineteen eighty eight, and it would have won a ton of awards because everyone liked it. Sri Devi eventually, I want to say in around twenty thirteen, got like a special award for her performance in Mister India. <laughs> Sure. But, yeah, there's, like, huh. a gap. That's too bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we've only seen a sampling of Shekhar Kapoor's films. I think I've seen... I've seen three. Three out of, what, five? Yeah. That's pretty good. That's more than a sampling. That's 60%. That is, yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, just, like, it is wild to me that the director of Mr. India is also the director of... Elizabeth. Elizabeth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just, I, I don't, I don't know if I see an auteur through line, but maybe, maybe in our discussion here, we'll find one. <laughs> we could try. <laughs> I don't think we'll see one. Any comments about Shekhar Kapoor? That is a wild filmography. Yeah. And also maybe he's having funding troubles to spend 15 years making a movie or maybe he's doing TV or something? There is, um, I think there was a whole list on Wikipedia of like, just like uh, projects he's abandoned. Yeah. 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 So, huh. I mean, it's gotta be hard to follow up Mr. India yeah, for Bollywood and then there's Elizabeth. There's a whole Wikipedia entry for unrealized projects, mm. which I did not want to. So it's kind of like Guillermo del Toro then when he has. And it's divided in between unrealized projects and abandoned projects. Uh, okay. Where it's like Guillermo has all these movies that he wants to make and they never really come together. Mm-hmm. But then he goes on and, you know, mm-hmm. he does do a movie every couple of years. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know if I could see a through line between the three of these that I've seen. 
All right. Well, that brings us to Mr. India. Um, maybe not. I mean, maybe Kapoor's most well-known film. Probably in India. I mean, Elizabeth Bandicleen and Mr. India are all extremely well-known movies. Mm-hmm. So I guess it probably depends on, on who you ask. Or what age you are. Oh, yeah. Or what age you are. Or your taste in movies. Yeah. Or where you are in the world. Yeah. Which one you would be from the most familiar with. Do you want to set up Mr. India for us? Okay. Mr. India came out in 1987. It was directed by, uh, it was written by Sleem Javed. Uh, you have here that this was apparently the last film they did before they split, allegedly because Javed Akhtar told Amitabh Bachchan that they'd never work with him again, and Salim denies this. Yes, so from what I understand was they offered Bachchan the role of Mr. India, he turned it down, and then Javed Akhtar told You'll never work in this Amitabh town again. Bachchan that they'll never work with him again, and Salim Khan... Uh, says he never said that and that led to a rift in their in their collaboration this is definitely a role I could see Amitabh Bachchan playing mm-hmm. like it is I mean it's orphans a... and you know he's kind of like the voice of the common man he's Mr. India he's not Mr. Mumbai mm-hmm. he's like st- standing up to rich guys and you know all these different assholes really who work for Mogamba who are making the country worse so it's kind of like kids in collab yeah yeah I mean the ego of Bollywood actors I think is pretty legendary and I'm not I'm not trying to say that and I'm also telling Bach- Amitabh Bachchan he'll never work in this town again well no that they us. would never yeah. work with him yeah even you know, they and they wrote Shole yeah and they're she- somewhat responsible for his stardom yeah um Anyways, I'm not saying Amitabh Bachchan has a big ego, but like probably, casting... I have to assume he probably does. Casting an invisible character <laughs> has yeah. got to be hard. Maybe it was like, what if he wasn't invisible? What if he was like double and there'd be double Bachchans on screen? And they're like, Amitabh, get out of here. We're not having double. Uh, but anyway, uh, so it stars Anil Kapoor, Sri Devi, Anu Kapoor, Ashok Kumar... Satish Koshik and Amrish Puri, as well as Ahmed Khan, the future director of Boggy 2 and 3, as well as Hero Panty 2 as an orphan. And I think he, is he the one who's doing all the dance moves? Because there's one orphan who's like extra good at dancing. No, I think there's... Is he the glasses orphan? I don't know which one he is, but there is one of, one of the orphans did grow up to be a choreographer, so maybe, maybe that's he's the, the dance orphan. One? I don't know. One of the problems with the movie is that you don't differentiate the orphans that much. Other than Tina. Other than Tina. Poor Tina. <laughs> well, and like, there's kind of the main one who goes with Sri Devi, like dresses up with Sri Devi when she dresses up as the yeah. tramp. And there's like, that was Tina, wasn't it? No, no, no. No, she, Tina's Tina, the little one. Tina's the girl. Yeah. Who gets killed? Yeah. Uh, anyway, this is Bollywood's first superhero film. Um, I mean, we can get into this, but I've read that superhero films typically, apart from this one, apparently don't do well in India. Mm-hmm. See a flying jot, etc. Um, I mean, Krishna Babish as well. Joshi, but it's because that the main character of a masala is basically a superhero. Yeah, like yeah. they can punch people through walls and all that stuff, and the extra level of abstraction doesn't seem to matter. Maybe Brahmastra will change all of this. We'll Maybe. See. Uh, anyway, this was a huge commercial and critical success. The second highest grossing film in 1987. Mm-hmm. Nice. And it was also a big hit in China. 
1990. I've been somewhat curious about when Bollywood started to infiltrate the Chinese market. Um, I mean, it was in the Soviets early. Because there was all that transfer. Mm-hmm. Think of like Maranam Joker and that kind of stuff in the 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. So it was, at least, they, it was at least coming into the socialist world at one point. Yeah, but when they... Because there's such a big draw yeah. in, in China now. You know, you look at the box office figures for... For Secret Superstar and Anda Dune and so many other things, mm-hmm. um, and they're just they make so much money in China. This Forrest Gump remake that Amir Khan is making, I'm sure, is going to crush in China. Yeah. Um, and so I've just kind of been interested as to kind of I've, I've been interested in Bollywood's popularity in in China, and China only allows so many foreign-made films a year. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Bollywood is competing with Hollywood and other film industries to get their movies into Chinese theaters. It also feels like sort of displays of soft power. Like, mm-hmm. we're only going to let Avengers in, but we'll let in, you know, a couple Indian movies. Yeah. That, I'm sure that got triple R, or they will at some point. Yeah. That seems very much in line with what the government would have you believe about England, right? Yeah. Like, it's probably... A pretty calculated decision as to what comes in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But uh, so I thought it was interesting that it it was a huge hit in, in China. You know the way that the way that back in the day, you know things like disco dancer were a huge hit in the USSR. Mm-hmm. Um, you know now Bollywood films are you know that's that that's a big market for them these days. So yeah, no. I mean, then, and this movie uh, ideologically is completely on par with what you'd want. Like it's mm-hmm. a a member of the masses standing up to corrupt capitalists. Yeah. So. Yeah, that makes sense. Totally matches what the government would want. Yeah. And it's pretty feel good. Yeah. Uh, this is considered one of the greatest Indian films ever made. I can't believe it. It was very fun. Yeah, though, there's not a lot of reference to it in any of our, um, kind of, any of our Bollywood texts, which I yeah. thought was really interesting. Well, maybe um, so it's been a, hard for scholars to get to for a while. Yeah, there's a there's a couple of books I pull off the shelf. Um, anytime we, we, we do one of these episodes where we're discussing a classic, just to see what they say about it. And, like, there's pages upon pages in those books about Mother India and Piazza mm-hmm. and DDLJ and Kavi Kushi Kavigam. Very little. And Shole, obviously, very little about. Mm-hmm. Mr. India, which I kind of thought was interesting. I wonder if it's more of a... Well, this is more of a kid's movie. Yeah, more of a populist choice. Our friend um, Rashmeet, uh, who came over to watch the film with us, um, you know, she she has very fond memories of this film. Yeah. It, it is in that same zone as like Rajkumar. Mm-hmm. Like a fantasy adventure. Rajkumar. We are the only ones that remember the movie Rajkumar. But I bet people remember Rajkumar. But boy, do we remember Rajkumar. <laughs> but it's not the sort of thing that scholars are going to look at like yeah i think you have to dig a little deeper it's yeah. not like mother india where the i think i think there's more about present. bandit queen in those books yeah i'm sure there is yeah that's very much well and also that did well at cons like this yeah. one presumably did not premiere cons. <laughs> no uh this is also apparently there's a 3d sequel coming in 2011 and we're still waiting on it. no it was announced in 2011 announced in 2011 and it's still has not arrived so unsurprisingly the deaths of both Amish Puri and Sri Devi have yeah. potentially derailed the possibility of a sequel. I don't know. You can get... Nwazi Siddiqui will be in your movie as a bad guy for 10 bucks. So get him in there as Mogambo Jr. And then... <laughs> that's half of it. And then get uh, Harsh 
Harsh could be Mr. India Jr. Yeah. There but, we go. Easy. But is there... I don't know if there's a girl as good as Street Evie, though. That's tough. Well, Jean V. Kapoor. Yeah. Or, I don't know, Vani, my favorite. Um, But is there an appetite? You know, without those two. Yeah. I mean, it's not... It's this not film the, is kind of made by the performances. It's not the Jody that you would want. Yeah. So, the plot of Mr. India, uh, Neil Kapoor... Never really said why he has an orphanage, but he owns an orphanage. Uh, We're going to assume a lot of people have seen this movie, though yeah. there might also be people like us who haven't been able to see it, so we'll try and find the right balance. He definitely rents this orphanage, he doesn't own the building. Yeah. Uh, He's a crooked landlord. I should start with Mogambo. So there's a guy named Mogambo, right? <laughs> and oh boy. <laughs> and he has a henchman, a henchman named uh, Fu Manchu. Dr. Fu Manchu. Dr. Fu Manchu. I think Manchu. So. And yeah. there was another one who was a very clear kind of racist stereotype. Yeah. I forget who it was now. He has sort of... Is it a, like Zorro? There was Captain Zorro, I yeah, think. Yeah, it was. Or I guess like less racist. He also than, has a robot. <laughs> less racist than Fu Manchu, but yeah, Dr. Fu Manchu, that didn't age well. He also has a robot. <laughs> yeah, and a robot. Anyway, he is... And like a very boxy, like... Yeah. Like, this robot is a less impressive special effect than... Um, than you would assume. <laughs> no, than Forbidden Planet. Yeah. So you also don't get a lot of time in the, with the robot. Uh, so Mogambo is trying to take over the world. Like, I'm pretty sure it's tinfoil on a box. Well, it is, because later on, uh, <laughs> yeah. Nukapur's buddy is wearing the robot yeah. as, a, as a costume. Yeah. Um, so Mogambo, he's an evil overlord, played by Amish Puri. Who is trying to take in over the world wig with, with in like a hilarious curls. blonde wig? Like he kind of looks like um, Goldmember. <laughs> Do you remember Goldmember? Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of that haircut, except he's not Dutch or Belgian or whatever he was in this. He's indeterminate, but he hates <laughs> India. Yeah. He specifically is sending his agents out to. Uh, pollute the food supply in India, steal all the money, uh, be terrible landlords. Like, he's basically the reason why there are social problems in India. You can yeah. point to Mugambo. Yeah. He's, and he has missiles pointing at India. Yeah, he's got four nukes, basically, to point at in India. This movie is a lot like Sean. <laughs> yes. This is like kids' Sean. Yes. And I loved Sean. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he even has, like, a pit in the middle of his lair. With full light. of acid. Full of acid, yeah. And this is... After Temple of Doom, I think. Yeah. So, like, he learned his lesson in Temple of Doom, and like, yeah, let's have an acid pit, let's have sharks with frickin' laser beams, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, but anyway, uh, who could take down Mogambo? Mogambo's catchphrase is Ah, Mogambo is pleased. I won't say the Hindi version, but that's they say it a lot, and it's great. <laughs> yeah, but he's very, he's easy to please. Lots of things make Mogambo happy. Um, but anyway, how does Anil Kapoor factor into this? Well, Anil Kapoor runs an orphanage, and he takes care of a bunch of lovable tykes. Um, and his dad was a super scientist. Mm -hmm. You know, actually, this could take place in the Venture Brothers universe, too. It kind of, yeah. It does feel that way, doesn't it, actually? Because it's like... My dad was a scientist, and I don't know anything, so I run an orphanage. <laughs> and then yeah. got a stop Mogambo. It, it, it certainly has a Venture Brothers vibe. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so with his buddy, Protractor? Calendar. Calendar. One of those weird <laughs> math names. Uh, they run this orphanage, and over the course of a few adventures, in addition to meeting Three Debbie, 
who is a young Lois Lane type person. Yeah. Who's on the crime beat. She's yeah. a reporter. And she needs a... She needs a place to live. And yeah. he says, I have a place with zero children. You can have it. And she's like, zero children? Well, oh, she damn. has to pay rent because they're trying to pay their landlord. Yeah, because like, Mogambo's <laughs> squeezing them for money yeah. because they want to put guns in this building. <laughs> they had a very specific reason that they wanted to kick the orphans out. Because it's not evil enough. It's just yeah. like, let's let's also make this like a go down for yeah. guns. I really love that this like super criminal who has four nukes pointed at India gets so obsessed with this orphanage, which by the way is like the nicest looking orphanage you've ever it's seen a in a huge, movie. It's a huge building. Yeah. And Yogapur's character finds a sort of watch slash bracelet. Yeah. It looks like a sort of leather bracelet, but with a bunch of watch parts and lights on it and mm -hmm. stuff. Uh, and he finds out that this makes him invisible, except to the color red. Yeah. And you'd think this would actually come up more, but it doesn't. Well, it's it does, with it's, the red acid in Mugambo. Yeah, but it's mostly just for, like, sight gags. Yeah. And Mogambo has a few areas in his island fortress that have red. Yeah, so Anil Kapoor becomes... Uh, the superhero, the invisible superhero, Mr. India, who fights Mogambo's goons and becomes kind of the, the kind of a, a symbol, um, you know, he, he's kind of, it's not quite the Robin Hood thing, but... It's kind of like the silent majority, like, we don't want all this crime, we yeah. want these guys out. Um, and he's, he's looking out for the little guy, for the common man. People who don't want adulterated food with rocks in it. <laughs> what? Yeah, there was lentils, right, and the guy was throwing right, rocks in right. it. Right, okay. Um, but also... And Sri Devi falls in love with him, despite Sri, the no, fact No, Sri Devi falls in love with Mr. India. That's what I'm saying, despite the fact that he's invisible, Sri Devi falls in love with him and does not know yeah. that the man, that her, like, her landlord, her landlord, the man that she's, like, renting her apartment from... Her non-crooked landlord. ...is, in fact... Mr. India. Mr. India. He's also... <laughs> This does not get explained, and it's probably just Masala movie logic, but when he's invisible, he can pick people up, he can punch super hard, like, yeah. he kind of seems to get extra superpowers. Yeah. Uh, obviously, everything culminates in a climax at Mogambo's lair. Yeah. All right. Where the <laughs> the children and Anil Kapoor and Calendar all attack the lair. And Sri Devi. And Sri Devi. Uh, no, did she get kidnapped? Well, she's, she's there. She's rolls she's up there. there. <laughs> they all just go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think it's time for for interval, and then we'll come back and we'll tell you what we thought about Mister of Mister India. Yeah. So the song here is Hawa Hawaii, which is quite the bop. Yeah. There's a lot of good bops in this film. <laughs> This episode of Bollywood is for Lovers is brought to you by Alberta Blue Cross. Life as a business owner can be hectic, to say the least. Alberta Blue Cross understands that. They offer flexible health, dental, life, and disability coverage for your employees. Even better, you can let your staff enroll and manage their coverage at any time and on any device. That makes life easier for them and for you. You've got this when it comes to group coverage for your small business, and Alberta Blue Cross has got your back. To learn more and explore your options, head to ab.bluecross.ca.
This episode is also brought to you by the Well Endowed Podcast by the Edmonton Community Foundation. Hosted and produced by Andrew Paul and Lisa Pruden, it explores the impact of passionate people who are working to make Edmonton a strong, vibrant city to live in. The Edmonton Community Foundation helps people create endowment funds. The podcast tells stories about how these endowments intersect with the community. On the latest episode of the podcast, Emily Rendell Watson introduces us to Windmill Microlending. This innovative charity provides microloans to help immigrants and refugees continue their careers in Canada. Great for individuals who are making a new home here and great for our community's labor and economic needs. Subscribe to the Well Endowed Podcast at thewellendowedpodcast.com. So that was Hawaii from Mr. India, uh, which as we said is a bop, but before we get to One all... One of many bops. Yeah, before we get to all the bops in Mr. India, Matt, what did what did you think about your, your first outing with Mr. India? Uh, this movie's super fun. Yeah. It's maybe a little long, but, uh, you know... It's got a lot to get through. Mm-hmm. Um, it sets up quite a few of uh, Mogambo's henchmen, and then you get to enjoyably watch them get knocked down by Mr. India. Uh, a kid gets blown up by a clown. <laughs> Spoiler alert for a movie that's almost as old as I am, but... That's kind of the most horrifying part of it, I'd say. <laughs> yeah, it kind of like a... Almost a precursor to what happens in the 90s. Mogambo has his guys leave bombs all over town, mm-hmm. and uh, one takes out Tina. Um, which I don't think you at would like see- a carnival. At a carnival. Uh, I don't think you would see that in a Western superhero picture. Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't but think. But most of it is like stuff that you could see in the West. Yeah, I'm, I don't think, yeah, that they would just have like. I mean, it's not like we see an explosion where there's, like, child body parts flying around. You do see her in the hospital afterwards. Yeah, you do see her in the hospital. And you're aware that, like, yeah, that there's, like, a stuffed clown or whatever that had a bomb in it that then exploded and then she dies. Yeah, it's pretty (laughs) intense. And then, you know, Kapoor goes berserker rage after this. For a film that otherwise is very cartoony, you know, like, very comic-y. Very in-jokey for other movies. Yeah. Rashmi was telling us all the songs that are referenced in the soccer ball song. Yeah. It's yeah. very much like a movie lover's movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Neil Kapoor's hilarious. Great at playing just like a general nice guy who's also got a few tricks up his sleeve. Mm-hmm. Sri Devi is luminescent. Uh, the song that she does, her love song with Mr. India, extremely sexy. Yeah. Good song. And we'd seen clips of that before, partly because... Um, <laughs> This will haunt me for the rest of my days. Uh, we are fans of Gunde. Yeah. Um, you know what? I will defend my love of Gunde. I don't care what like anyone Mr. says. Mr. India, you probably like Gunde, too. <laughs> They're both kind of in the same emotional wavelength. Someone the other day took me to task for my love of Gunde, and I was like, look. Whatever, nerd. Go I outside. Love, I love it. Um, I, uh, I don't think they meant it in a bad way, but... Yeah. Um, and... But, yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a scene in... Um, in Goon Day where they go see Mr. India in the theaters and um, Priyanka Chopra is kind of performing on stage yeah. while Sri Devi's behind her. It's great. Yeah. Um, and I, I, there are, I'm sure, many other references. Yeah. Um, we'll see them now that we've seen we, the film. Yeah, we'll see, we'll see them now that we've seen the film. So I'm sure we've been missing them for years. Amrish Puri, And I, like, I'm sure villain. Mogambo is pleased is a line we've heard in movies before. Yeah, that would have come up in like yeah. Deli Belly or... He's the most... Hapti Sharma Ki Delhania, like that kind of sort of self-referential movie. Yeah, like Mogambo is easily the second most popular and famous villain in Bollywood. Yeah. After Gabar. Yeah. 
Um, I like the part where Sri Devi and one of the orphans dress up as... Uh, Charlie Chaplin to infiltrate the an under- tramp. They dress up as Charlie Chaplin. Yeah, as the, the tramp. tramp. Yeah, uh, to will... infiltrate an underground casino. This will forever be a pet peeve of mine. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I guess it's like when people like say Frankenstein versus Frankenstein's monster. Yeah, it's like Charlie Chaplin himself didn't like dress like that. That's a character he plays. Called also, the to tramp. get it on the record. <laughs> Frankenstein's monster, his last name should be Frankenstein because his father's name is Frankenstein. I know. So it's perfectly fine to call him Frankenstein. Yes. <laughs> anyway, that part's fun because lots of hijinks mm-hmm. and they're dressed up as Charlie Chaplin's The Little Tramp. Yes. Uh, for no reason and it's funny. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. feel like kids would love this movie. Yeah, no, it's... A, it's... It's a super fun movie that I think kind of, I think the thing I find most fascinating about it is just kind of the balancing of stakes. Yeah. Like, on one hand... It really ramps up in the last 10 minutes. Well, but on one hand, like, you have this super villain who has, like, he's going to bomb all of India. He's potentially going to... I don't think he mentions the missiles until later on, but he's just like... I will control all of India. I will take out their food supply, their monetary system, all that stuff. Like, this is it's, some... the, it's like the same guy as Hero Panty 2. Like, yeah. Wazing Siddiqui's character. Like, complete and utter domination of one country. Meanwhile, orphan hijinks. But this is something that, like, like the Secret Service should be investigating. They should be like... sending Tiger after this. Like, Tiger's yeah. dad. But, but instead... After we're introduced to Magambo, the plot then focuses on this orphanage. For like 45 minutes. And this, this violinist. Yeah. Who needs to pay the orphanage's rent. Yeah. You know, and so it's just like the way that it's like. It's the way a child would tell a story. Like there's this evil guy, right? Yeah. Who has this island and he's going to take over everything. And the only. But also there's this cool guy. But and the only person who can stop this guy is an invisible violinist in a bucket hat and a bunch of kids <laughs> and a bunch of kids like it's just it's it's has a very strange logic at but it's times. also very like, charming just, it, but it's so charming exactly and and i think again like it feels it feels like a kids movie yeah in aside from the fact that a child gets blown up it it's the sort of thing that i think the west did really well in the 90s mm. like Three Ninjas or Suburban Commando. Like What? Don't don't explain. Just keep going. Suburban Commando is a movie where Hulk Hogan is like You watched a, very different movies than me. I did. Hulk in the Hogan 90s. is like a is like a like a a future soldier from space who lands in uh, Los Angeles and has to team up with children to take out like an alien. Got it. Like all of these movies are here's this big ancestral conflict and also kids need to help. Yes. <laughs> and yeah. uh, are integral to winning. Like if the kids were there if the kids weren't there we would have been hooped. Yeah. Um, but like it was a time before IP ran rampant mm-hmm. and now every movie is just comic I read 20 years ago. Yeah. And it's and it doesn't have those kid insert characters. Yeah. And I think that's to a lot of superhero movies chagrin really. Like Well, uh, and that's something that people hated about 
the Wachowskis speed racer, but makes yeah. so much Chim Chim. sense. Chim Chim and Spritel, you need them there yeah. so that they could say, whoa, speed racer, how did you do that? Yeah. Um, but I'm also thinking of uh, one of the rare superhero movies that apart from one scene I think would be okay for kids. It's stupid that we have to debate this. Like, mm. this medium that was essentially started for children mm -hmm. and enjoyed by children. Uh, Shazam is like one of the only ones that I think a child would be interested in oh, because yeah. of all the kids in it. Yeah. And apart from that part when all the uh, the sins are eating all those people, mm -hmm. like a kid would enjoy that. Yeah. I just saw the trailer for the new one. It looks fun. Shazam is a good counterpoint too because it's also like like um like a chosen family. Like yeah. Kind of like a bunch of orphans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's somewhat similar. Led by a goofy fun hero. Mm -hmm. Like. It's sad that we don't get things like this anymore. Or at least I'm not really in the market for kids' movies as much. Yeah. But nowadays, it's, you're either a CGI movie or a superhero movie. Mm -hmm. There's no sort of, like, mid-tier, real-life children help a guy or girl have an adventure, right? Well, and it's, it could be very easy to dismiss this film as goofy. You know, the, the, the plot is certainly ridiculous or to dismiss these special effects as amateurish. Though, I think for the most part, they're very effective. It looks pretty cool. Like, it's very Nogambos, obvious. Nogambos Island looks pretty sweet, actually. <laughs> it's very obvious how they did a lot of them. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and it's, it's, it's a lot of practical effects. It's not like CGI all over the place, because it was India in 1987. Um, but I think the whole thing is just so charming that mm -hmm. those elements really kind of become become a part of what of what is so enjoyable about yeah. this you know it's just like it doesn't feel cynical or calculated in the least bit it's the kind of movie that if a kid watched they might think i can make a movie yeah like it could be inspirational to filmmakers yeah uh let's get to the performances because i think a big part of why this works is because anil kapoor sridevi and amish puri find just like the right, they just find the right dial mm -hmm. on all three of these performances. Amrish Puri does not kind of fall into the kind of Paul Giamatti zone no. of like, I can't believe these kids are beating me. How is this happening? He's just kind of focused on his goal the whole time. And he just, he plays it so straight as a comic book villain. He's in an entire villain. different movie. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, you could see Mogambo in another movie doing the exact same things. Yeah, we. We've talked before about how much we love Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. We fully recognize that it's problematic. But I think a big part of why we love that movie is because Amish Puri is just such a good villain. And, and also because there's a kid sidekick. And Short Round. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> short Round is so, the secret sauce that makes the movie great. Because um, kids want to see a kid helping Indy. Because they, like, yeah. kids would also, kids would want to be Indy, but they also want to help him. Yeah, that's right? true. Um, Kids want to be Mr. India, and they want to help Mr. India. Yeah, so I think like some of the same elements that we love in in Temple of Doom are here as well. Like Amish Puri is just like he's such a compelling villain, and even though he's wearing this like goofy uniform, uniform and this, basically, yeah, and this horrible wig, and he's on like this set that looks yeah like 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 it's put together with tinfoil. 
Um, he just he plays it straight. He's just like mm-hmm. I am Magombo. You can't wink at the he's screen. He's not exactly. He's yeah. never winking, and it's just kids, like kids are so very, good. Kids are very good at detecting in, uh, insincerity. Yeah, and like you have to like believe that Mogambo is a legit threat. Yeah, exactly. And he is. He's literally going to nuke India. Uh, Street Debbie. She's great. She's fantastic. This is the best I've ever seen her movie, basically. Mm -hmm. She's just super cute and spunky and hilarious. She's well known for kind of her um, comedic abilities, her comedic Mm -hmm. acting. And I think this, this, this shows, shows me why Mm -hmm. this is kind of what she's known for. Um, She just, you know, I mean, she, she looks incredible. She has those big eyes. Like she's just like, she looks like. A cartoon character come to life. Yeah, she's like Betty Boop almost. Yeah, and and she plays this role so well because she doesn't come across as kind of like a as as the superhero's love interest that you feel like the movie is constantly getting distracted with because they have to like artificially make you care about the stakes between the superhero and his girlfriend, which is like an issue I, I find with some of the modern Marvel movies, but instead... Like Doctor Strange and his relationship with Rachel McAdams for some reason? Yeah, that one drives me crazy. It's just so pointless. Yeah. Um, Imagine if Doctor Strange had to lead, like, seven orphans. (laughs) Or even, like... Wouldn't that be much funnier? Like, do you even really care about Vicky Vale and Batman? No, not at all. You know? Whereas here, I think, like, she just becomes... So much a part of the fun of everything. Yeah, she's in on it. Yeah, like she and the orphans are like getting on each other's nerves. They're like playing jokes on her and she's getting fed up. And it just like, you know, she becomes, she's, she is so endearing that she's part of the game. Yeah, it does not feel like we just have a throwaway girlfriend character. And obviously, like she, which in Bollywood is like all the time. Yeah. And she becomes like very important too because she ends up being kind of bearing witness to all of Mr. India's. <laughs> I bet she wrote a really uh, good article about Mogambo. <laughs> no, Mogambo, the guy I, I killed. <laughs> um, when Mr. India starts kind of you know like his vigilanteism, yeah. she's often there to like witness. Yeah. You know. And her J. Jonah Jameson S. Bosk. We don't actually like they really drop kind of her journalism. In the second half of the film, but uh, you get the point. We can we can assume that she's she's, she's filing articles about yeah, Mr. India. She's the Peter Parker, and Mr. India is the Spider Man. It's. I feel like this must be a reference to something else. But her boss at the newspaper keeps getting wrong phone calls. Mm-hmm. Like maybe Mogambo has screwed up the telephone system as well. I don't know. It's like how you get so many spam calls on your phone now. It's Mogambo. Uh, and finally, we have Anil Kapoor. He's just playing this role like he's a big kid. The champ. <laughs> like, yeah. it's just... He was born to play this role. He's just... Oh, I mean, do we need more airtime of me gushing about how much I love Anil Kapoor? Um, he's he, the funnest big brother you could possibly want. Yeah, he convinced me that, like, maybe bucket hats should come back. Except <laughs> no. Why are they back? Mr. India, ahead of his time in fashion, too. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Invisible bracelets and bucket hats. Yeah, he's just like, he, he bring, I think he really brings this movie alive. All three of these performances, they just kind of need to be dialed in perfectly in order for this to work, in order to sell you. Do you know what he is? What? 
he's doing the Christopher Reeve Superman. Because mm. he's great at, uh, like, being the guy that you could never believe is Mr. India. That goofball? Yeah. Never. But then when he's, you know, invisible, <laughs> his voice and all that stuff works for it. But it's that kind of but sincerity you do, again. But he does have to sell, like, he has to sell his civilian persona because yeah. we never actually see him in yeah. persona. So Luckily, he- I'm assuming that the invisibility bracelet makes his clothes invisible too, unless Mr. India is running around naked the whole time. I think so because you see like when he first puts it on, it makes And his when uh, you're looking at through a red light, you can see his clothes. Do not think too much about the science. Yeah, it's... <laughs> It's pretty advanced. <laughs> but, like, being able... Like, being visible under red light is such a, like, old-school comic book thing. It's like how Green Lantern, like, his... Um, his weakness... His is, weakness is yellow. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Or, yeah. like... Yeah. I could see down the line, once we know more about the red light technology, sure. But it makes sense that there's a weak point. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You need to build that The in science makes sense. <laughs> and well, and also it allows for kind of like some fun special effects where you can kind of catch a glimpse of... Yeah, and he's just like punching a guy in the stomach or spinning someone around <laughs> and the red glasses come up like, hey! <laughs> yeah, I, re- I do really love how it's such a mystery of how he's accomplishing some of these feats. How was because he he's physically physical. picking men up over his head? Well, and he just, he manages to get like across the room and... Yeah. yeah. It's ridiculous. I would like, like, you'd never get it, but like, one shot of him just hauling ass across the room to get to his next, his next move. That would be funny, but it kind of breaks the, the spell. Okay, let's talk about the songs. They're all great. How Hawaii was easily, um... Many my- costume changes, some weird backup dancers, though. Yeah, there's some problematic backup dancers, um, but I, I did love this number. Sweet Debbie goes to, like... This nightclub where there's all these like evil guys. Yeah, all these criminals. I think it's his house. And it's, she, it's one of the evil guys' house. Yeah, and she pretends to be you know the famous the Hawaii, Hawaii singer Hawaii Hawaii, um, and then she sings this song that our friend Rashmi translated for us, and she's just singing gibberish. Yeah. Again, lots of costume changes. It's just it's so fun. It's, it's very so fun. lively. Um, I, I absolutely it's something that it. would be in a Dick Tracy movie. Yeah. Just yeah. Like or, the heroine has to infiltrate this place and then comes up with this tune off the top of her head. Or like that uh, opening number in a Indiana Jones in and Temple of Doom with Kate Cash. I love that. I love uh, that it's Everything Goes, isn't it? Yeah. 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 But it's just like she just gives this, like on the fly, this incredible floor show. Yeah. Why I wouldn't she? absolutely loved it. Um, this, as you, this movie operates on like pulp ideas like yeah yeah of course a enterprising reporter could whip that up off the top of her head that's exactly why I like it and that's exactly why it works like in like terms of like the Venger Brothers universe for me is because it's pulp it's pure pulp yeah yeah it's so good um the I'm in love with Mr. India song I think that was my favorite oh so on the, on the beach sexy and, and then they play with the red light there no that's the the one on the beach where she's singing about how much she likes Mr. India and mm-hmm. Anil Kapoor is like uh, he's okay yeah what about me oh that one yeah on the beach oh yeah that's a great one I too I like that I think I, I the sexy one is superb but I yeah. think I like the tune better of the I'm in love with Mr. India yeah the, yeah that that beach song is really really fun and I love you know he's doing that classic superhero thing like you know he but what he, about me I'm okay he right? wants her to love his civilian persona you know he it's wants just, to be seen yeah it's it's very much I know 
It's very episode much, title. <laughs> it's very much a Superman uh, Lois Lane thing. It, yeah, it totally works. Um, the very sexy number. Good one. Where she's singing "I Love You." It's oh. raining. Oh, yeah, that's that's. She's an, rolling around in hay. That's an all-time. That's, that is an all-time sensual uh, song. Uh, and again, there they play with the red light. So it's just I don't know. It's well done because like it's Ree Debbie's gyrating and singing and Anil Kapoor is kind of watching her and everybody's wet from afar a lot of rain yeah, yeah. Uh, and stuff. then the soccer ball song um, which that uh, one's fun it's we fun we would have we liked didn't... it better if we were understood all the references but Reshmeet helped us yeah we didn't catch all the references though there were some big references that were very obvious yes. so yeah. um, there's kind of a fight between Sri Debbie and the orphans over they kicked this a soccer, soccer ball. ball into her office and they have kind of a song battle where they sing back and forth different uh, famous lyrics from Bollywood songs, mm-hmm. uh, but they're changing some of the lyrics to fit the situation. To be about soccer balls. To be about soccer balls. Um, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. All of uh, these are bangers. Mm-hmm. I'm sure when they I get agree. busted out of parties, people lose their minds. Yeah. 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 I'm actually very surprised that this hasn't gotten remade. Well, I mean, they want to do a sequel. Because wasn't, was it Mr. X that you saw where he becomes invisible? Yeah, it's, it's Emron nowhere near like this. That's like the it's adult. Nothing like that's this. That's the stupid adult version of like, you know, here's what an adult would do. Yeah, it was, it was really bad. Do not recommend. Uh, I was kind of surprised. It's like a nicer version of Hollow Man. <laughs> I'm moving on. <laughs> I was kind of surprised that this film isn't more overtly patriotic, especially with a name like Mr. India. Yeah. But considering, uh, you know, things we've seen like Mother India, um, and especially a lot of modern films, I think I was... Ex- Barat? Yeah, I think I was expecting a more overt... Propaganda? Nas- yeah, a more per- overt propaganda or nationalist message but really it's just like he's mr india because he is you know he protects the common man he looks out for the common man and he's he literally is invisible he's a not common man he's not the government doesn't see him yeah yeah and so i mean i i think it's a great title i think it fits i think that the it's themes, a bit more subtle than i think we give it credit for yeah the themes of all of that come together but um you know it's not like we have the country itself talking to us like we do with Mother India. Yeah. Um, and I also really like the how Sri Devi and Yoko Kapoor and the orphans become that 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 kind of idea of family, and so they become like you know. A well, little... They're like the Yancey Street Gang, and she's the thing. <laughs> but I think I think that theme of a family of these kind of um, these misfits coming coming together is is really important in the film and also drives home that idea of common man yeah Yeah. all right it's a good movie highly recommend people check it out if they've never seen it you've probably seen it though yeah we took Um, you down memory lane i don't know watch it again it's still fun i don't know anyone that doesn't like this movie i i was i was a little worried at first but i did really get into it it's really it's better than every single marvel universe movie okay because it has mogambo yeah and street abbey and Neil Kapoor. Well, I like, think it's just... All of these are amazing things that, like, you don't need a previously existing IP. You just need hilarious actors and a fun setting. It's it's very easy to love. I think my only complaints are that um, there's some 
there's some problematic stuff with Doctor Fu, Fu Manchu and, and those back. The audience dancers. at the time probably wouldn't have understood the problem. Yeah, but I, I, I can look up. This is such an easy movie to love, and I, I don't know any play anywhere where maybe things aren't coming together. Like but it, even it, even the, then, Doctor Fu Manchu is like part of pulp history too. Like well, exactly. Yeah. Like it just it it wins you over. Yeah, it wins you over. All right. That is the end of this episode. The Invisible Fist of Justice. Uh, so we will be back in two weeks, Matt. And what are we going to be discussing? Uh, you might have heard of this guy. His name's uh, Ranbir Kapoor. Yes. It's been four years since he put a movie out. And the more reviews I read of Shamshara, <laughs> the more I think I'm going to like it, but apparently no one else does. Yes. Uh, we might be watching that one. I don't know. Yes. Um, yeah, it's time to discuss everyone's favorite sad boy and soon-to-be father, Rambir Kapoor. Uh, he was kind of setting things up to have a big year between Shamshara and Brahmastra and getting married and becoming a father. Um, but Shamshara's tanking, so we will see. Uh, but certainly seems like it's time to to discuss him so well, we yeah, it's time to watch a few of his earlier ones to knock some of them off the list because people have been telling us for years that some of his early stuff we should check out yeah so and I, they sound good so. i think we're going to get to rocket sing and wake up sid and mm-hmm. we'll see if we check out shamshara um or if we kind of throw something else there but yeah rambir kapoor he hasn't had a movie in four years it's probably time to talk about him yeah uh, in the meantime, Matt, how can people cook up the show? At Bollywood Pod, at Matt underscore B-O-W-E-S, at Aaron E. Fraser, Tumblr.com slash Bollywood is for Lovers, Facebook.com slash Bollywood is for Lovers. Rate and review us on your podcast platform of choice. Maybe let us know. It's been so long. <laughs> no one cares about our Biffle points anymore. Hmm. I mean, we'll, we'll still send you a Biffle point. Yeah. Biffle points are real. Um, you can also check out my other show that I do with Paul Matwichuk called Trash Art in the Movies. We just did an episode about um, movies set in shopping malls. So we discussed Kevin Smith's Mall Rats and Chantal Ackerman's Golden 80s. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Now we're going to... Oh, and to... we want to thank Becca Dalkey for our artwork. Yes. And now we will become visible again. <laughs> oh no, the red light. Yep. I don't know. Bye. Bye. <laughs>